Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. Um, how many football fans do we have out there? All right. Hey, this is a good year for L.A. Three years ago, no teams. This year, two teams in the playoffs. Who in the world would have thought that? I would not. I was a little jaded when the Rams moved to to St. Louis. I feel now a little bit bad for St. Louis. Uh, really bad for San Diego. That's that's a bummer. Um, anyway, teams huddle around coaches and quarterbacks and captains, and they call plays from their playbook. In sports, coaches and players, they have go-to plays that work most of the time. Um, here's quarterback and coach referencing their plays. And on the field, the quarterback keeps... Uh, a playbook often on their wrist so they can refer to that playbook. Teams sometimes run risky plays like you saw on the, the promo video for this series. Uh, out of desperation, they're trying to run, run these plays. But every winning team relies on trusted plays that they have practiced Often, even the desperation plays, you heard they practiced every Saturday. In the same way, there are plays that you can find in the Bible uh, that help relationships thrive. Uh, whenever they're practiced, things can go better. They at least have the opportunity because usually there's two people involved in the equation. Uh, we're going to look at these plays throughout the message series that we're in, it takes much practice to learn uh, these these plays from the playbook, the Bible, uh, because they're opposite to our native tendencies. Uh, at first glance, they don't seem likely to help. When you decide to follow Christ, you you have to learn a whole new playbook on life, and it's 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 not native. Uh, I, I was reminded of this fact while I was reading through Ephesians 4 this week. I was reading through it and trying to listen to what God might have to say to me. And in this passage, after describing a normal approach to life and relationships in the world at large, uh, it says in Ephesians 4.20, But that is not the way you learned Christ. To follow Christ, we, we have to learn a new normal. We have to break old habits of relating to others. We must learn a whole new playbook as we set out to, to follow Christ. The passage goes on to tell us three things that we have to do in order to live Jesus' way. Uh, first, in verse 22, it says, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Every day till the day we die, once you decide to follow Christ, you have to keep saying no to your old ways because the habits are still there. They're still ingrained. You have to keep doing that. If you're going to live Jesus' way, uh, you have to keep saying no to that. Uh, the image in this passage is interesting because it says, you put off the old ways, and then you put on the new ways that are Jesus' ways. 
It's like changing clothes. That's the image. Taking off a dirty shirt, putting on a clean shirt, or like changing jer- jerseys when, you know, you sign on with a new team. None of us are probably in danger of signing on with a new team. Uh, at least I'm not. Uh, but you, you, <clears throat> you trade jerseys when you decide to follow Christ. You trade jerseys uh, that belong to the old team, and you put on the new, the new jersey. That's the second thing you do. You put on uh, some new clothes, and then the third thing to do is to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And there's a reason I'm I'm going here right now. Uh, the phrase "spirit of your minds" it means. Literally, <clears throat> the word spirit, this was originally written in Greek, and the word spirit means an attitude or a disposition reflecting the way in which a person thinks about or deals with some matter. <laughs> so the spirit of your minds here in this passage is, it's talking about the way you think about your viewpoint as you handle a matter, either conversation or a problem, a project, as you approach it, this, that's what this is talking about, the attitude of your mind. The word mind here is talking about the psychological faculty of understanding, reasoning, and thinking, and deciding. So to change jerseys, to put on the new jersey, the attitudes of our mind and the way we reason things out needs to be renewed to align with Jesus' way if we're going to follow Christ. That's, that's what this passage is saying. This is a lifelong renovation project. <laughs> that's what I've experienced. To follow Christ, we have to adopt a whole new attitude and even way of reasoning things because his way doesn't necessarily make sense to our native way. From the outset. So the first shift or play number one that we're going to look at in this message is others before me. I'm going to walk through a passage that describes this play. It was written by a man named Paul who himself was completely transformed by uh, Jesus Christ. He started new churches. He trained church leaders in cities throughout Europe, Asia, and uh, around the Mediterranean region. Philippians is a letter he wrote to a church that he started in Philippi, which is in modern-day Greece, and this is what he says. This is play number one. Uh, Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, in our native way of thinking, does that make sense? (laughs) This is a very unlikely path to good relationships in the way we normally think about relationships. If I look to the interests of others, who's going to look out for me? Who's going to take care of me? The Bible's clear that by building this practice into your relationships, you discover that God's playbook is best. But the only way to prove that is to try it. (laughs) And that requires faith. We have to trust God with this. 
Um, if you live this play, what you find in Scripture is you set up all of your relationships to thrive. They, they will thrive with family, friends, co-workers, and others. And as I said, it's... There's more than you in the equation, but you set it up so they can, and often they do. Adopting Jesus' attitudes and uh, approach to life is challenging, to say the least. Um, It's really hard. To our native way of thinking, his way doesn't seem practical. So play, play number one is somewhat like they say in sports talk, take, take one for the team. Uh, have you heard that phrase? It's common. Nobody wants to do it. <laughs> but here's what it looks like in a few different sports. This is what it looks like in soccer. I, I'm not sure if his face actually saved the game, but I really hope it did. I'm, I'm hoping so. Um, he sacrificed his face, <laughs> not only his body. Here's some guys cringing because they might take a hit. In, in baseball, a player takes one for the team by getting hit by the pitch. This is where the, the phrase originated in baseball. Uh, it originated in, you know, getting beaned or hit by the pitch. Uh, it, it hurts. It hurts. I've, I've been hit by a pitch before. Try to avoid that. Most, most baseball players, they, they want to hit the ball out of the park. They don't want to get hit by the pitch. Like David Ortiz in this pick, everyone stops to stare. I mean, he just probably hit the ball a mile. After this, you flip your bat, you pop your chain, and you take a slow trip around the bases so everybody can see what's going on. Players want to hit home runs. They don't want to take one for the team. They want to make sure everybody knows who you are. Humility, though, is required to take one for the team. Here's what it looks like in football. This is from a high school game. Ow. That, that really hurts. Wide receivers have to know that that's coming. They get hit like this on occasion. But the best receivers are willing to offer up their body, and they're willing to take it for the team. The opportunity to take it for the team uh, shows up all over the place in life, uh, in both small and large ways here in church life, at home, at work, in our friendships. Uh, It looks different in different arenas. But to take one for the team, you have to set aside your own glory and agenda and focus on others. Here's some scenes that show uh, what it looks like in different arenas. Not, not on the screen, but I'm going to paint them and you can imagine them in your mind. It, it could mean that you're on your way home from work or you're, you're thinking about how the evening is going to go. And you're running the scenario in your mind of how the evening's going to go. And then 
one of your kids is really struggling with their homework, you were planning to kick back on the couch and watch a little TV, and it's painful. But if you're going to put them first, like you know a good parent should, you set that aside and you pay the price. You do it because you love your kids. This play number one is really a definition of God's kind of love, to put others first. On a day off, you run the scenario in your mind of how you'd like it to go, but your husband or wife has a different scenario that includes chores. That was the furthest thing from your mind. That that really hurts. That does. Making these kinds of shifts are painful, but they do make good relationships. Now, we do need enough rest to keep our batteries charged up and ready to go. Rest and recreation are some of the interests that we need to pay attention to, but we don't need much of the rest that we crave. We just don't need as much. At work, you may be overloaded with a long to-do list. Uh, you don't think you can pull off that list. Uh, and right at the moment when you think you have a plan worked out to make it happen, your boss adds something to the list. Mm. Or a coworker is, is in a jam on a project. They could use your help. This is, this is when you have a choice. Philippians 2 says you need to look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Look, looking... T- you know, to your own interest, that comes naturally. That flows easily. But looking to the interests of others, adding that in, that's when it hurts. <laughs> it really hurts. That's the part. We suffer a little bit each time that we add a concern for others into our day. Right when you think you're going to get a break, you've needed a friend calls and asks for your help. Do I tell them, sorry, I'm unavailable, I have plans? Or do I sacrifice? This happened, this, there are all kinds of opportunities to take it for the team <laughs> as life flows by. Living this play over and over again is a matter of faith. Will God provide what I need as I look to the needs of others? If we're going to look to the interests of others, we must trust that God is going to look out for our needs. He's faithful to do that. My ability to put others before me, and it's the same for you, depends on my relationship with God. When, when you decide to follow Christ, it's not just a matter of putting on a new jersey and doing what you've always done. When a player is traded to a new NFL team, they typically hold a press conference where the player holds up a jersey of the new team, like this one, and uh, they're smiling because they just got a big paycheck. <laughs> That's why he's smiling. Um, but committing to follow Christ, when, when he got on that new team, he has a whole new playbook to learn. And that's the way it is when we decide to follow Christ. We have this old playbook, old habits, old ways that we've run for, we've got these plays that we've run over and over again in relationships, in friendships, family relationships. 
But we've got to make a shift, start of a whole new relationship with God when you decide to follow Christ. It, it means we must learn more than plays for a football game. We, we have a whole new playbook to learn for life. And running these plays is a fantastic way to live. But you have to run them in faith before you can prove them to yourself to be true. And those scenarios I painted, that's where the rubber meets the road. If you follow Christ, you and I are commanded to approach relationships his way. And the ability to do that flows out of our relationship with God. Flows out of an understanding of what Jesus did for us. He changes our heart as we understand what he's done, as we accept what he's done for, for us and decide to make him Lord, he changes our heart and he motivates us to live his way. Here's an explanation of exactly what Jesus did for us. It's in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Uh, To say that Jesus took one for the team is really a, a trivial. That's too trivial. He paid the ultimate price so that we can have a right relationship with God. He sacrificed himself. When we grasp this truth and commit to follow Christ, our heart gets changed. It, it, it changes us. He changes us. And if we'll go to him, God will motivate us to love others like he did. Let's look back at first verses 5 through 8 see what Jesus did to make a way for us to have a relationship with God. First, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Now, Jesus was God himself. He is God himself. He's, he was while he was here on earth. But he didn't cling to his position as God. Instead of grasping onto his divinity, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, and finally he humbled himself. This is the one we follow. If you're a Christ follower here today, this is the one you follow. When the opportunity to serve at home or work or church life shows up, we must do what Jesus did. He chose humility. It requires humility. He's the one we follow. He humbled himself from the highest position in all of creation. He's above creation. He humbled himself. This is a brief recap of all that Jesus did for us on the cross. When you grasp what he's done, it changes your heart. And remembering what he's done is what motivates me to put others before me. Our motivation to put others' interests first flows from what he's done and from his example. This, this practice is one of our core relational values here at Church in the Valley. Uh, the plays we're introducing in this series, they aren't coincidental. They're 
intentional actions that have created healthy relationships here at Church of the Valley for the past 31 years. Uh, we call them hard attitudes. And they're the core of our playbook here. There are seven practices in all, and we're going we're gonna to cover them in this series. People who not only practice these attitudes in church life, but go beyond to live them out in family life, at work, and friendships. They experience enjoyable, helpful relationships as they, as they live them out. Every one of these plays that we're going to talk about requires humility. Here at Church in the Valley, hard attitude number one is to put the goals and interests of others above my own. In other words, others before me. When someone decides to become a member of Church in the Valley, they commit to work toward this practice. None of us do it perfectly, but this is the goal that we're all working on. And, you know, we, we, we're hit and miss, but we keep choosing it. This is where we're striving for. Um, very definition of a Christ follower is to follow Christ and to live life his way. We must adopt his attitudes. And that's what we're all trying to do here together. Working on these things as a team uh, together in church life brings tremendous amount of encouragement. And the impact of that spills over into every circle where we relate. This, this is how God designed the church. We learn stuff here that really helps everywhere else. Um, I'd like to show you a video testimony that uh, shows how we encourage each other here in these things at, at Church in the Valley. Uh, I've asked several of our group leaders for this spring uh, to share examples of how they've been encouraged in these and here's a short video from Val Rangel, who's leading a ladies group on Thursdays in Chino. Let's watch it together. Hello, my name is Valerie Rangel, and I've been attending Church in the Valley since 2006. I'm going to be talking about heart attitude number one, which is to put the interests and goals of others above your own. Um, and how I've seen members at CIV example this heart attitude and have, how I have been able to grow from that. Um, uh, I, a little bit about me or about how I used to be is that I really used to love to guard my sleep schedule. Um, I like to serve when it was convenient and um, comfortable or within, you know, my own, if I got everything I could get done on my own. But um, what helped me learn and grow and stretch in this area was um, Karen Kayla Oral's example. Um, Karen Kayla served in the student ministry and I got had the opportunity to serve alongside them a few years ago. And what I really noticed from them is that they sacrificed their time, energy, and resources to help the students be successful. And um, as they've done, as as they practice that, um, I really got to see their relationships deepen. And um, there's a lot of blessing that comes with putting the interests of others above your own, and um, and just um, being there for people. And the way they did that was by going to recitals or going to soccer games, opening up their home, um, or you know just helping wherever was needed. And so. Um, <clears throat> I just realized the blessing in that, and it just stretched me to start help, like really practicing this heart attitude um, in my life. And um, I still have a long ways to go, but I have not been ripped off from practicing it. <laughs> hey, it's like you know Facebook video, yeah, you know, social media. 
Um, your attitude is the way you approach your family, friends, boss, co-workers. To learn to do that Jesus way, <laughs> you need a lot of encouragement. You need a lot of practice. We have to learn to make major shifts in our approach to things. It determines your attitude, determines the outcome of your conversations, your interactions, the level of cooperation, both good and bad, good or bad. And an attitude is your mental angle of approach to a person or a circumstance. It's the way you're viewing it, the way you're approaching it. We choose our attitudes toward others. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Feels like we're attacked. They come up from within <laughs> and we're attacked by them, but we do choose them. If you're a Christ follower, Jesus wants to guide your life, uh, to develop specific go-to plays so that as you're in circumstances, having conversations, handling life, you have an angle of approach as you do things his way. We need his help to change jerseys and say no to the old ways and yes to the new ways. He set the example for us, and his spirit provides the motivation when we turn and ask him in faith. If you're considering Christ, this is where he'll lead you. This is he'll he'll lead you to shift to a new attitude in life. And he'll want to help you rearrange your thinking on the way life goes. And he'll, he, he will give you the help you need, the motivation you need to do that. Overall, this practice of putting the goals and interests of others above our own has brought tremendous amount of joy, delight, and motivation to the team here at Church in the Valley. We don't do these perfectly. But we keep practicing these plays week after week, year after year, and they've created a a really good, enjoyable team for us here. If you're new here, this hasn't been the practice in the groups that you're a part of. We hope you experience this proven playbook and hope you'll join us in running this play. Uh, it's, It's made relationships here good. And it makes relationships good wherever that play gets run in whatever arena of life. As we wrap up uh, and the worship team joins me here on stage, would you consider taking a next step? We like to look at what God wants us to do with what we've just read in Scripture. And so here's some suggested next steps. My next step today is to accept Jesus as my Savior and commit to follow him as Lord for the first time. That could be your next step. Maybe you've been investigating what it means to follow Christ and you're ready to decide to do that. Uh, Another step, a second step, is actually on the right-hand side. If you look at the back of your connection card, there's some suggestions on the left-hand side, but this step is actually on the right-hand side where it says, Contact me about... Uh, you can let us know. I, I'd like to meet up with someone and clarify my commitment to Christ. We'd, we'd love to help with that. And then another step would be to put, maybe someone came to mind in your family that you've been putting yourself ahead of. Maybe in your family, at work, 
here in church life among some friend. Put them before myself. That's my next step. And then we'd love to have you attend the rest of the series here, uh, the Proven Playbook series. I, I think you'll find it to be helpful as we get into God's Word. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your your goodness to us, your kindness, your grace, because we, we don't do life perfectly, uh, but you have given us everything we need to... To, to live your way, and you give grace when we don't. Thank you, God, for what you do. Help us take these steps that you've laid on our heart this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.